Welcome to I Had to Say It, the podcast where I talk about things that I feel need talking about, and sometimes they're not getting the attention they deserve. And your feelings, they're not under consideration. The podcast you're about to listen to contains at least one of the following. Strong language, disturbing topics, abusive opinions, generally things that aren't appropriate for little kids or overly sensitive people. So, if any of that stuff's going to get your nose out of joint, this is your chance to turn it off. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So, whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So, download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of I Had to Say It. Joining me today is Ian, the host of Why Whiskey Podcast, and I'm going to give him a chance to tell you about his show. Take it away. Uh, hi, everybody. Uh, first off, it's uh, an honor to be here. Uh, I've listened to the show for quite a while now, and I'm uh, super stoked. So thank you for the opportunity to just come and hang out. Uh, this is awesome. Uh, Why Whiskey uh, can be found. It's a, a bi-weekly show where uh, we drink and we tell stories about old dead guys and girls. And uh, I have guests and uh, again, we, we drink a lot. So so come check us out. We're on, on all the podcast platforms, uh, wherever you can find it. Search Why Whiskey and you'll find us. Very well put. Uh, <laughs> as I say, this, uh, without this turning into a giant, you know, like, oh, you're awesome. No, you're awesome. I actually listen to your show, too, because I happen to enjoy whiskey and history. So it's a uh, <laughs> a very fitting combination. I was like, all right, this is cool. This sounds like something I could check out. And then we started talking about different whiskeys and different cool historical shit. And I was just like, all right, I'm in. I'm down with this one. So. <laughs> So it's, it's great a, to have you here. <laughs> thanks again. I, I appreciate it, man. It, and it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I started the whole thing just on a on a whim. Um, I've always been a, a history guy, and I, I've I've talked about it a bunch on the show. But uh, you know, fell in love with history in in middle school, and it's been a, a constant thing in my life. And then I got introduced in whiskey through my time in the military, and and that became the second passion. And then come to find out that both <laughs> uh, American history and uh, whiskey are very interconnected very, very interconnected in a lot of ways. So I was like, all right, you know, I can do both at the same time and it's just fucking awesome. So I'm in. <laughs> and yeah, it's, uh, it's very cool when it works out like that. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly is. Yeah. I actually, I, I was just getting caught up with like today's episode, the most, the most recent episode, I should say, I've been kind of lax in my listening to everybody for the last few days. Uh, Having been on vacation, I literally unplugged from pretty much everything. Good for you. For like a week. I just, I needed a reset. I was, <laughs> the holidays were around. I had a massive honeydew list to work my way through. And I was like, you yeah, know, normally I would be listening to shows while I was at work, but I just need to disconnect from social media and pretty much everything for a little bit. And, uh, you know, kind of tackle the liquor cabinet for a while because. I, as I said, I am also a fan of whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. And it, and it makes the chores a little more bearable, you know? It it really does. And that's one of the best things about the holidays. And when you get that, that time off is it's, you can just literally 
drink all the time <laughs> and, uh, and it's totally okay. Uh, you know, uh, a glass of whiskey while we were opening presents on, uh, on Christmas morning, nobody batted an eye. I was like, all right, I'm all in my right. happy place. <laughs> day. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've, uh, I've developed a habit of spiking my coffee in the morning uh, if I don't have anywhere better to be. So. Yes. Have you yeah. messed with bourbon creams at all? Um, a little bit. I, not as much as I would like. Yeah. I'm up for recommendations. <laughs> uh, so uh, the Buffalo Trace one is very good. The okay. uh, I'll have to go back through my list uh, and I'll, I'll shoot you a couple uh, of other ones that I have I have recently tried that are also very. There's one out of Texas. I forget what it is. Um, but I ran out really quickly because it was it was so good. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, a little little bourbon cream in the in the coffee in the morning is is the way to start the day. Screw that, yeah, like Cheerio shit. Like, oh, no, <laughs> yeah. a little little uh, leaded coffee. Yes, sir. Starts the day off on the right. I actually, uh, for a while, I was doing just because I happened to have a big ass bottle. I had the uh, the one seven five of the vanilla crown. Okay, and uh, and uh, that goes really nicely in a in a cup of coffee as well. <laughs> it also makes good pancakes if if you're. Uh, <laughs> If so that I've adventurous. Yeah. So that I've done, uh, but I've not put that in coffee though. So I'm not a big fan of like the flavored stuff. Um, I've had a bottle of this knob Creek, uh, was it smoked maple? I think forever. Uh, mm. just because I can't, I mean, it's, it's, it's seriously, it's like drinking maple syrup. It's so sweet. Um, and if maple syrup had like, yeah, it's, it's too much. I want my whiskey to like, say, Hey, how you doing? And be a little like rough and bitter. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm a salt, I'm a salty old guy. So I like that, that salty old whiskey. So it's, uh, got got to have that character to it. Yeah. Yeah. And he's slapped me around a little bit, you know, call me dirty names and then I'm good with it. Exactly. Yeah. No, I, um, I don't remember exactly how I got the big ass bottle of crown vanilla because I honestly, I don't just flat out. Don't recall. I just remember it being there. And, uh, I was like, okay, what am I going to do with this? Well, I'm laid off. I'll put it in my coffee. Because I, I got it right before the pandemic, like, full-on set in where everybody was getting furloughed and work from home. And I'm a chef professionally, right? So my my field in 2020 was pretty well decimated. Yeah. So I spent a lot of time at home. <laughs> and yeah. uh, and like I said, some, some somewhere along the lines, I got this big-ass bottle of whiskey and it was kind of nice because I was working for a contracting company, so I was furloughed, not unemployed, technically. So th- they kept my insurance active and stuff like that, which was cool. That's good. But, um, yes, yeah, so that also limited my ability to go look for another job because I had to be available to go back to work if they called me. Right. And um, so I, like, I took a bunch of classes, like online classes, because I could do those any time of the day. And if I had to go back to work for a couple of days, it didn't screw anything up. But um, I also started day drinking quite a bit <laughs> during that. I I think everybody did. Uh, there was that that period there for a while where uh, it was like four six weeks, uh, end of March to beginning of May, where the time just kind of stopped for a lot of folks. I know it didn't stop for everybody, but uh, but there was a lot of folks where everything just kind of slowed down, and uh, there was there was much consumption of alcohol during that period of time. Yeah. It's like is the world ending? Are we not? What's happening right now? I don't know. Can we go outside yet? Like, what's Jesus Christ? 
being the kind of guy that I am and the fact that the liquor stores were considered essential businesses. And there's one within staggering distance of my house. Perfect. It, it was like, well, you know, I'm going to run over here. I did a lot of experimenting. Like, uh, as far as that, the maple bourbon goes, if you're, I don't know how culinarily inclined you are, but it sounds like it would actually make a fan, fantastic, like a, a bacon jam. Probably. Now that I think about it. <laughs> it. It probably would. And I think paired with something like salty, and like savory, it would be good. Um, but I'm I'm a, a neat drinker. So like I, you know, for me, I just pour it in a glass and then I drink it. It's just sugar. Like that's all I'm tasting. It's just so sweet, you know? Yeah, I, I'm with you. I I am either rocks or neat, depending on what I'm drinking. But yeah, I don't I don't I don't mix beverages. So I'm I'm the same way. If it's overly sugared, it's just it's not a good look. No. Truth. Truth there. Yeah. And it was, uh, one thing that the pandemic did do, or, well, I mean, we're still rolling, but, uh, uh, one of the cool things that started initially is that you got, you saw, uh, a lifting and relaxing of some really old and arbitrary liquor laws. And so now people were able to, you know, uh, take out booze from stores, from like restaurants and stuff. And, uh, and then the online delivery service for booze kind of blew up which I was so excited because a lot of times, you know, how allocations and, and all that stuff for, for booze goes, uh, it varies so differently between states. And, uh, and, and so the state of New York was not having a real good time, but I could hop online at, in that moment and buy the booze that I couldn't find in New York and have it shipped directly to my house. So not only did I have to go to drive to seven different you know, stores to look for this one particular bottle, um, and they literally just brought it straight to the house it's freaking wonderful. Paid a little bit more for it, but you know, uh, the convenience factor was was well worth it. So that was great. Definitely, I that's one thing I I one of the ups of the pandemic because there were there were a few I think, but uh, yeah the 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 re, the reworking of some of those very draconian concepts of well no you can't cross this line with that because it's it's a controlled substance it's it's a bottle of scotch. I should be able to pick it up here and go there and not have to be inconvenienced. <laughs> exactly. Let's see. Having touched on the pandemic. Um, and you are in New York. I'm in the Midwest. So there's a little, little bit of a difference in there. Um, just from your perspective, because I'm not a huge supporter of necessarily mainstream approaches towards things. How would you say it's going out that way? I mean, I've heard a lot of, or I should say read a lot of stuff online, but I try to take that with a grain of salt. So every time I talk to somebody, I do kind of go, well, okay, how are things actually going where you are as opposed to how they're telling us things are going? Well, uh, so I have, uh, I, I've, since, in the, since the pandemic, so it kicked off, I was in New York. I then got moved up to Boston uh, and have recently bought a house in Michigan. So currently I'm in Michigan. Uh, I'm on Michigan. Though? I'm I on. You were still, I thought you were still out on the East Coast. I'm sorry. no. Well, I mean, I I technically am. I'm home on vacation. So we bought our our home, uh, and we're because we're retiring this year. So uh, we bought the house. Uh, you know, the wife and kids are here at the house getting all this set up. So once my my final day is done, just move over and we're good to go. But uh, but still stationed in uh, in Boston and doing that there. But so I've I've got to see the. I've got to see COVID from two different states on the East coast. And, uh, New York was, 
New York was weird. New York got super dark uh, during the early part of it. Um, these last couple phases, uh, Massachusetts has been very COVID cautious. Uh, the area that I'm in, I understand there's different parts of Massachusetts that handle things differently, but uh, the area that I'm in, which is in Eastern, like we're the, we're kind of just North West of the city of downtown. And, uh, and that area is very, has always been very COVID cautious. Um, however, this recent, this last month and a half or so, uh, caution hasn't mattered at all. And, uh, and shit's on fire. Like people are getting it. Um, even the people who are being super safe, doing all the right things, wearing masks, you know, washing hands, doing all that stuff, they're still, they're still getting it. So, um, so it's, it's kind of, it's getting crazy again. No, I don't think it's bad. Definitely not as dark because with the first go around, there was, there, there was a lot of people dying, um, a lot of people dying. And this time around doesn't seem quite so bad. And I think also fatigue has a lot to play. A lot of people are just sick and tired of dealing with this shit <laughs> and they are, they're, they're done with it. They, so uh, you're seeing a lot of people who were super cautious before kind of just washing their hands of it and saying, you know what? Fuck it. If I get it, I get it. If I don't, I don't let's, let's roll and see, and see what happens. So, um, it's, I, I, it's not as crazy and, and, you know, the world isn't on fire as the, the news reports kind of make it seem to be. Um, but, but I don't want to diminish how intense it is currently. Um, it's thick. I guess that's a better, that's a better term. It's just, it's, it's thick right now. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, that's, uh, refreshing to hear an actual honest observation from somebody. I, I mean, it's like, if you've listened to the show, you know, I'm not a huge fan of the accepted socially public narrative. Right. Mostly because I I'm just a jaded, cynical old bastard at this point, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I, I've just seen way too many instances and it's I feel like we've kind of got a our social memory is, you know, I mean, we're we're like one step above Alzheimer's patients when it comes to terms of that's the other one of the other reasons why I like the history aspect of, of your show is nobody seems to have retention of more than a few months at this point where it's like, no, don't you remember this stuff was literally, this is what they were saying three months ago and they're completely contradicting them, their own reports based yeah. on just trying to put the narrative forward. So that's, that's why I, I'm always very much an advocate for going out and actually talking to people and having conversations and discourse and being able to, say, hey, how do you feel about this? Instead of just going, well, you know, they said this is how everybody should be feeling. Nah. Right. Yeah. The talking points are are ridiculous. And that's that my biggest beef, and I feel like I've I, I've said this so much over the last few weeks because I've talked about this quite a bit. Um, it, my biggest beef has always been the messaging. They, they have fucked up from day one on the messaging. And it, it's not consistent. It's not. Um, it seems to flip flop. It seems to it uh, kind of uh, bend and fold to what is needed by certain people at the time. And and are we, you know, if we're if we're following the science, then let's follow the science. And where the messaging I think has gotten messed up is that it's just, hey, we're doing this now. They don't give an explanation why they're doing. It. They don't say, hey, we've got evidence that says this, 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 and this. This is why we're doing this. They don't do that. They just say, hey, this is what we're doing. And then that's when you scratch your head and you're like, well, that's, 
that's really different than what we were doing yesterday. What changed? And they don't tell you what changed. And, and, and that's where <laughs> they, they kind of drop the ball and they leave. And that just leaves people to their own devices to guess as to why they made the change. And of course, everybody goes into you know, the, the politics realm. And you know, is this science? Is this politics? Are we, you know, are the two now like <laughs> joined at the hip? And if so, like that, that doesn't really work. Uh, it's, it's a mess, man. Yeah, I, I, I very much agree. I mean, and also, and this is another one of those things, like I remember when I was a kid, and yeah, granted, that was quite a while ago now, but one of the aspects of science was science was all about inviting questions and questioning everything. That's how you learn is by <laughs> questioning the reality. Yes. And instead of clamping down on every single opposing viewpoint to try and say this is the the facts, and, and saying if, and I mean, it's one thing to actively disprove an opposing theory, but instead of trying to disprove it, you're just saying you can't say that because it's wrong. And that it, it, it makes people question the validity of what you're touting as, as proper or what is right. So I, I agree. I think they really, you know, drop the ball on how they present their information and the way they're dealing with any kind of dissenting opinions instead of trying to show some valid logic behind saying the dissension is wrong. They're just saying, no, that's not what we said is right. And uh, yeah, I agree. It's it's been kind of a shit show as far (laughs) as how things have been handled. And, and then they get bent out of shape when people don't want to just blindly trust them. And it's uh and those people become the enemy. And that's what really pisses me off is the the folks that kind of stand back and say, hey, we're not we're not buying it. And and not that they're even the, the folks that are they're not buying. It. It's not that they're coming out and saying, hey, you're wrong. Right. They're just saying we don't necessarily believe that because you haven't backed it up. You haven't given us the freaking the data sheets. You haven't given us the information. And and that's that's the problem. And what as soon as they do that, they're labeled. Right. They're labeled as freaking. You know, um, they're dangerous. They're the, the you know, the, a pandemic of the unvaccinated or, you know, like uh, like that, like those bullshit words that they just kind of throw around. It's like, nah, man, it it's not like that. Give us the information and then let us fucking choose. Yeah. I mean, there's a big difference between just saying no and saying you want to be have an educated decision. <laughs> exactly. And, exactly. And, and Yeah. Give us give us the info. Uh, don't give us your opinion. And that's another major issue with a lot of the mainstream media is that they've stopped reporting news. They've just started, they've all just become opinion pieces, um, literally every show. And it's like, I don't, I don't care what you think or how you feel about this. I just need you to give me the facts. I'll determine how I think and feel about this, you know? And, and it's so frustrating that people just kind of absorb all that. And, and well, the news said that da 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 da. Yeah. The news also said last week that freaking the sky was green. It, is that real? Yeah, no, yeah. it's not fucking real. Like, you know, come on, stop it. Just give me, give me the facts and let me decide. And, and I'll, and I'll go from there. And that's not a, that's not a thing, man. Yeah, no. And it's, and the sad thing is it's become, I mean, it, it's like a double-edged sword with, you know, modern social media. I mean, we're more connected than we have ever been in the history of the planet. Which yeah. allows allows people to compare notes and to say, look, this doesn't add up because 
you're telling me this, but I can go directly to people and find contradicting information from people that are involved in the thing you're trying to tell me. And, and but the problem with it is it's not, there's way too many like echo chambers where you can find anything online, including stuff to validate whatever ridiculous shit you're coming up with. So the way that the official sources are handling things instead of like diffusing that situation and saying, look, we're putting we're being forthright and we're putting all our cards on the table. Instead, it's more just like, no, you have to trust us because we said so. And they're just fostering this massive discontent. And, uh, Sorry, my, my train of thought just completely skipped the tracks. <laughs> uh, you know, you were on a roll, man. I'm, I'm with you. I was, I was right there. Like, like, yeah, let's, let's get it. Let's go. Let's it, go. I mean, yeah. It, it really is though. Yeah. I mean, for, and, for lack of a better way of putting it, it's when you're demanding unquestioning faith, you're no longer presenting things as science or as facts. At that's at that point, that's a religion. That's, that's not a, if you want unquestioning, unwavering acceptance without backing your shit up, it's that that's a that's a dangerous handcart to get into, you know. Uh, absolutely, hundred percent, and not that's that's not the ride I'm in for. Like I'm not I'm not about that, you know. Um, <laughs> Reagan's quote, you know, what are the most dangerous? Oh, I'm gonna fuck it up. I don't want to fuck it up. Anyway, he <laughs> said. Let me summarize. He says something along the lines of, you know. Uh, most dangerous words are I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Right. Uh, and I, I feel like that's a, like, that's a thing, you know what I mean? Um, you, you gotta, you gotta stop, you gotta, and, and one of the scariest things about this whole pandemic has been the amount of, of control, right. That, uh, on, on behalf of public health or under the guise of public health, you know, they, they took a lot of control over a lot of things. And <laughs> I mean, eventually, right. Science if we're still listening to science says this thing will, uh, you know, fizzle or become endemic. And it's just going to be something that we live with like the flu. So, uh, in which case we have to go back to, uh, the way, not the way things were, because I don't think we ever will be able to do that, but, um, we've got to go back to, uh, less amounts of control and more amounts of ability to do things. You know, the government going into a private business and saying, you cannot do it. You know, you saw it with gyms, you see it with restaurants, you know, and the vaccine uh, passports and all those things. And, and before I make a hypocrite of myself, um, I am vaccinated and I have no issues at all showing my card to go into a restaurant to have uh, a meal if they require it. Like I'm not, I'm not one of those, you know, uh, stand outside and yell at people kind of, it's just not my, it's not my bag. Um, but I do believe because I'm choosing to eat there. So if I'm choosing to eat there, I have to abide by what the business is telling me to do and and, and that's just the thing. So, um, but I don't think the government should be able to say, look, you can't do this. You can't do that if it's a private business, right? If that private business is willing to take the risk um, of whatever and, and they're, they're not like hiding it, like they're public about it. Like, Hey, you're taking a risk by coming to eat here because we choose not to be vaccinated. If that's a thing, but even though the vaccines are not proving to be real effective with the disposal go around. Um, yeah, well, and neither are the masks either from exactly. Exactly. You know, so, so I, I get the public health thing, but at a point in time, they, they, they got to pull back and say, okay, cool. Uh, go do, do your thing. Yeah. Well, that, that's one of my concerns is just speaking historically, governments are really good at taking control. They're not so hot at giving it back. No, no. And it's usually through, uh, 
a climactic event that involves some type of violence that yeah. that we see and that and that's scary man that's uh that's a little nerve-wracking because you you kind of see just looking across the landscape we're so divided as a nation right now and the folks up at the top aren't helping any of that the the folks <laughs> draw my, I'm going to pull myself in a little bit here. Um, uh, so, so, uh, so yeah, it's, we're, we're very divided and the, the camps are getting angrier. Uh, and, and that's, that's, that's unsettling. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, I honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm of the mindset personally where I would be so okay if I, if I had the resources, I would go so far off the grid right now just to wait and see which way it was going to blow. Um, unfortunately, I don't. I still have to go to work and, you know, <laughs> where I work is not within easy commuting distance of any sort of remote area. That's the whole point of remote areas is that they're not easy to commute to. All right. So, uh, and ironically enough, uh, I, I, the job I currently have, I got, you know, mid pandemic, I started, the second week of January of last year. So I'm actually just coming up on my one year anniversary at this company. I love my job. It's a fantastic job. It's a great work environment. I have really cool coworkers. The, the upper level management staff is amazing. I have no, well, I have a couple minor complaints, but it's nothing I can lay directly on my employers. One of the factors being, uh, in Illinois here, when the, the governor said we're mandating, uh, we're mandating the, the uh, vaccinations if you're in certain fields. And my job now is considered a healthcare. Well, I, technically my position is like healthcare adjacent because gotcha. um, I'm still doing culinary stuff, but, and I'm not opposed to vaccinations. I'm just opposed to being forced into things. Right. But I didn't, I, like I said, I got this awesome job. I didn't want to lose it. So I, I got my shots and, and, uh, <laughs> On top of which, technically, my house is zoned in a area that's zoned commercially, so I could, uh, you know, use that commercial grade equipment and start selling beef jerky out of my garage or something. I'm I'm in. I, I say we start the petition. Yeah, I was to say I say we start the posi- like petition right now. Get Aaron his his kitchen. Let's do this. Yeah, I want the but, I want the beef jerky. <laughs> although no, I hear th- that that may be that uh. <laughs> Like I said, I do have a couple little side hustles I've been piecing together and uh, looking into Illinois' like cottage industry laws and stuff like that for like because there are a lot of local people that started selling like jams and cakes and cake pops and hot chocolate bombs and all sorts of fun homemade candies and things like that. And I'm like, how much sales can I really get away with before I'm no longer considered a cottage industry? Because then you have to start, you know, meeting, you know, health department regulations and all this other stuff. And taxes become a thing. Did you see the the new, uh, it's hitting like goods and services uh, through some of the virtual like pay sites. I think a Venmo is one of them. Oh, I don't know if we can say brand oh. names on your show. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. It's, I, it, if it ever comes to the point where I get like a, a C&D order over a brand name, I will chop that 30 seconds of audio <laughs> right out of the file. Like, all right. 
Some people get, some people get weird about that, but yeah. Uh, So there's like a lot of those. I'm not important enough to worry about that stuff. (laughs) Same. I love it. It's great. Uh, being, being, uh, mildly, uh, anonymous is is kind of fun, but, uh, but no, so they just passed that, that new thing with the, the digital, um, money services to where like anything, uh, $600 or more, you're now going to get like a, a 1099, um, yeah, and like it's taxable income cumulative over the course of a year. Yeah. Which it's is like crazy. Ugh. Cause I, I mean, I send my kids money all the time. I think that would, that'd be like, yeah, I was going to say a couple months. Ju- yeah. just transferring money to my kid is going to wind up getting him a 1099. Like that's income. I'm like, no, no, it's not. That's it's a, it's a gift. Yeah. Like that's, <laughs> that's dad. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, and not to mention, I actually, I reminded my son, he still had his high school checking account that like had like $10 in it. And I said, dude, start using your chase account. Cause it's still set up as a high school checking account. I still have access to it. I can just transfer money directly from my account to your account without having to deal with any of those services. And then you don't have to worry about it. And Perfect. so he's like, yeah, good idea. I should do that. So he changed over like his direct deposit for his job and stuff. and. So occasionally, like when I'm taking, we have, we, we have a couple of agreements where like, you know, he has to pay his share of the cell phone bill because my son is technically an adult at this point and he stays on the family plan. So he could, and he's not getting off the family plan anytime soon because he keeps upgr- upgrading his phone every time he gets a chance. <laughs> we, uh, do we have the same kids? <laughs> because <laughs> uh, we we're doing, I mean, literally the same thing. Uh, four of my five are uh, into adulthood. So they, they pay for their lines, but we keep them all on the, the plan to, to keep all that. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, that's what we're doing too. And he gets a, he gets a cheap cell phone that way. Yeah. And the only problem is his share of the bill is still like 60 bucks because he's got an iPhone 12 and, <laughs> and instead of just buying it outright, he, he, he went into the, the store one day and just like, I want to upgrade my line. And they called me like, is it okay with you if your son upgrades your line? And I'm like, he's 21. I don't care. He can upgrade <laughs> his line. Yeah. And so next thing I know, I see the next bill and I'm like, oh, maybe not. That's why they want, <laughs> That's why they wanted me to know if it was okay. Yeah. So I called him up I'm like, dude, you realize your phone bill's going up, right? And he just kind of laughed. He's like, I just thought I'd see how long I could get away with it before you noticed. I'm like, <laughs> thanks, you- Dick. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I mean, like you do realize your old man is one of the cheapest bastards on the planet, right? I go through the bill every month, even though it doesn't change. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I, I, uh, you know, I'll pop in there when the bill's due and just take his share of the bill out of there. And I noticed, I was like, you and your girlfriend have a lot of cash transactions back and forth between each other using PayPal. What What's the deal with that? And he's like, well, if she needs a few bucks for something, I send it to her. If I need a few bucks for something, she sends it to me. I said, okay, if you guys are going to start doing things like that with this new tax law, you really need to reassess that because you're already you're already at like $250 of transactions, and it's the first week of January. What Damn. the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> you know? He's like, oh, well, she needed this and she was short. So I sent her the money and then she paid me back. And I'm like, yeah, but they, they don't look at the government's not looking at that. They're just looking at your overall flow of cash. Right. And I was like, I mean, if you guys are going to do that and that, I was like, I'm never encouraging this. I'm not telling you to get a joint checking account. 
but maybe get a like a mutual account that you guys both have a debit card to and don't keep your main funds there but that's how you can transfer money back and forth to each other i mean there, there's got to be there's got to be workarounds for families on this otherwise it's going to get ridiculously abused and you know? i if i if i read it right it seems as though it is mainly focused on the uh goods and services um uh so when you're paying like you know like stores so there's a lot of stores that are reverting back to cash or check that we're using yeah. like the, you know, the, the square uh, card readers and Venmo and all those other ones. Yeah. And like um, Apple pay and all that stuff. Yeah. So, so there's a lot of those that are reverting back to, to cash and check sales to avoid that, which I think is a, a good idea. But um, if you're not paying attention, you, and I've done it before, like I'm just, Oh shit, let me send some, some money quick to, you know, my daughter. And um, yeah. I don't, I don't look. And next thing I know I'm sending her, you know, hundred bucks for goods and services. And I was like, Oh shit, you know, that, that counts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so I think as long as you're using the family thing, but if they're allowed to look, you know what I mean? Then if, <laughs> then they get to look at everything and, and eventually I think that will catch up. I think if it, it'll come to, if you're receiving money, regardless of whether it's goods or services or fam- friends and family or whatever it's called, it's going to get, you're going to get zapped yeah, eventually that's... for it. And that's yeah. where I, like breakfast, but like I'll, I'll take the team out for breakfast. Right. And it's just easier when there's a bunch of us to just keep it all on one bill. And then everybody just kind of like toss their cash. Well, this Venmo thing is a thing. So like on a bigger bill, you've got a whole bunch of people paying you little parts and pieces for a bigger bill. And it's like, don't, don't do that. When you get a chance, give me cash. <laughs> you know, when, like, when you get it. Yeah. When no no rush. The grocery store yeah. get cash back. Give me that 20. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't send this shit over digital. Yeah, I don't want them looking. Well, I don't want them looking. Plus, I don't want to be paying tax on money that I was already taxed on for transferring the money to buy something that I'm also going to pay taxes on. I mean, it's it's getting to be a little much. I agree. It's like, you know. And, you know, I, I, I don't I always feel like I'm like every every episode I'm bitching about the government somehow. And I'm like, well. That's a lot of what's making me grouchy these days. <laughs> but I have this this issue where it's like, why do you need to worry about my finances? You spent fourteen trillion dollars more than you had available to yourself. If I if I if I ran my house like that, I would be homeless, probably unemployed, and like living in a shelter somewhere because they would take my house away, they would take my job away, and I'd be fucked. And instead they're just going, No, we need a little bit more of what you earn. It yeah, it doesn't sit right with me. <laughs> no, no, and and the whole like <laughs> the 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 debt ceiling thing, and I'm going to be the first one to admit that I really don't know how that all works. Um, I've been told a couple different times, but uh, generally the terms that are used to describe it are uh, pretty elaborate. And uh, knuckle dragon army dude uh, just kind of scratches his head and says, "I don't speak big words," so uh, <laughs> so it's it's a little beyond me, but seems odd that we can just simply like, I mean, can we just call our banks and be like, Hey, I need my credit limit increased by like 10 grand. If you would, please. I don't, I don't think it works yeah. that way. I feel like, generally <laughs> like, no. I mean, but, but the banks don't print the money. The government does. So they're just like, Oh yeah, we need 14 million new George Washington. bills. Let's get them. Yeah. It's uh... the ironic thing is actually before I decided to go into the culinary world professionally, I actually, do understand a lot of this stuff because I was I was originally a finance major the first time I went to college, 
Oh, and, uh, shit, I need to sit down with you some more then. <laughs> we need to talk a little bit off air too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my information's a little dated, but like when I was pandemicing and thinking about changing lines of work because I was like, well, maybe this maybe the service industry is dead. Cuz uh one of the reasons I decided to be a chef in the first place was, yeah, no, you know, no matter how bad things get, people are always going to want to eat. And then True. I found out <laughs> I guess not. And uh, yeah, I mean, fortunately, I I was a little more insulated than a lot of people because I went to like corporate services sector and stuff like that. So it was gotcha. a little more, <laughs> a little more insulated that, as opposed to like restaurant industry that was just hammered so hard. Yeah, uh, I was actually, it's kind of funny when I did finally get laid off and a- after several months of being unemployed and when things started reopening around here i had like three different guys come ask me if i wanted to run their properties because they had restaurants and they had chefs but they lost their chefs and then they were like hey aaron knows how to run a restaurant you want to you want to come run my restaurant and i'm like i got a desk job man (laughs) (laughs) I, i work monday through friday i'm off the clock by like five sometimes six depends if the day runs late if i have to if i have to deal with somebody out on the west coast uh, then i'm then i might be there as late as seven but that's that's a very rare occurrence (laughs) i mean sometimes i have to talk to somebody in like colorado and i have to stay late an hour it's you know it's not not going to be the end of the world for me right uh so (laughs) and i'm like i don't have to worry about angry customers yelling at me i mean the people I talk to are all professionals. I per, I'm working at my job's more like a support capacity at this point. Um, like I said, I do menu development and recipe testing and, and, uh, product testing. So, yeah, I mean, I got one guy in particular, bless his little heart. Every time I talk to him, <laughs> like if I ever get out there, you and me, you and me are going for cocktails, like, cocktails. Hell, I'll show you how we drink out here. <laughs> All right, some challenge accepted. Shit, I'm from Wisconsin. Drinking's sort of what we do. Because it's a lot of what y'all do. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say because really there ain't much else to do. I mean, we got cheese and we got beer and we got cows, brandy old fashions and whiskey old fashions. <laughs> I was in uh, I was in Sparta, Sparta, Wisconsin. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, that is a place. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. So we were doing some training in the area and, uh, and it's a, it was a tiny little town and this tiny little town had like seven bars. And I was like, this, this is amazing. My tiny little town had two. And I think actually my town was a little bit bigger than this place, but, and all seven of these bars were incredibly active. So, oh yeah, we, I know. It, so Steam table lunches and, oh, <laughs> it was, it was awesome absolutely awesome so i mean you do a pub crawl on a tuesday night uh just a random tuesday night not anything special and and there's literally it's full of different people at every place and i was like this this is the scene i need to get into i would get in trouble here. <laughs> yeah well, i mean it, it it's a little different when you grow up there i guess cause probably i'm just like yeah i mean i uh if you're familiar with uh, thanks to a lot of what's gone on in the last couple of years uh kenosha wisconsin that's actually my hometown. That's where I'm from. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, I, I recognized a lot of the shit that was on fire when I was watching live streams and stuff while the riots were going on. Um, I actually 
the car lot where the Kyle Rittenhouse shooting happened, I, there's an apartment built, a brownstone apartment building immediately behind that building that I spent a whole lot of nights in a very unsober state. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, I, I'm, I'm watching all this, all everything that's going on there. And like, I still have friends there. I still have a lot of family there. And I was, I was like on the phone, like, are you guys okay? Is, you know, it's like the, the ride is like six blocks from your house. Are you going to be all right? Are you guys bailing? What are you doing? You know, there was a lot of concern going on there, but the the whole point I was going to say behind this is when I was a kid and I was growing up there, uh, we used to have the, the AMC motors plant was there. And then later Chrysler brought out AMC and it was a Chrysler plant. So this was union, a town full of auto union workers and steel workers and shipping workers, they were all union. They all had an hour break for lunch. And so that whole area was lined with pubs. Just every other corner was a bar and grill kind of scenario where you could go in there, you could get a couple of, couple of sandwiches and like a couple of beers. It would be five bucks. And then you eat, and that would be your lunch. And then you go back to work and go back to putting cars together. And uh, it was just a totally different, culture i guess because <laughs> yeah. to me that was perfectly normal when i when i moved to illinois where i live now and i was just like i i was trying to figure out where the closest bar to where i lived was and it was like three freaking miles i was like what is this shit <laughs> <laughs> that's a long painful stumble out you know yeah, home that, from the bar a, i can't walk that far i'm, I'm gonna get in <laughs> trouble and the ironic thing is i moved down here at like 22 uh, for various reasons that I was fleeing Wisconsin and I, I moved back in with my mom and my stepdad. So like literally the first night I was in town, I'm like, where's the, where's the pub? And my stepdad's like, Oh, here's the, here's where the closest one I think you would enjoy is. And I'm like, why, what do you, what do you mean the closest one you think I would enjoy? And he's like, well, if you go to the closer one, it's full of fucking hipsters and I know it's not going to go well for you. And I'm like, <laughs> Okay, that's fair. I can't really, I can't really argue that. And he goes, "Yeah, I know they annoy the Christ out of me too." And I'm like, "All right, cool." Um, my stepdad and I get along pretty well. <laughs> and he's like, "Now, if you go down this street and you go about three miles, you're gonna find this really nice upholstered toilet seat of a bar." And I was like, "Ah, my people, my, thank you," because <laughs> it really is. It is upholstered toilet seat is the best description I've ever heard of it. Because. It's kind of gross, but still kind of comfortable. <laughs> That's perfect. That is a yeah. perfect descriptor. And those those are the places that like I love to go. And I I my brother and I we we've got a another project called the the Tavern in Question that we do, and and we look a lot into into bar and pub culture and and those types of things. And those are the places where um you've got the locals, right? But you don't have like the shitty locals, like the the, the the snobby snooty ones right you got the ones where you walk in everybody's like hey you know they have no idea who you are but yeah, they're, they're just, just happy, happy that somebody else is there right <laughs> um yeah. and and those places where you go in and you can sit down at a stool and you can listen to like this dude's whole life story and then you know have some other crazy conversation going on and it's just that type of environment is absolutely beautiful and i i hope that once all of this weirdness with whatever this virus thing is, is, is settled or whatever, you know, we can go out and we can start experiencing that type of shit again, because 
those memories, those pictures, that time in those places, uh, is is priceless. And I feel so like like we're missing out. And there's a whole lot of people that are missing out. And there's a whole lot of people that could really use a good night at one of those bars, like oh, the kind where you're like, doubt. oh, we're dragging your ass out of there because you're hammer drunk, right? And yeah. you know you you were on the freaking bar singing topless, right? And it was amazing, right? Where, you know, you just need that night to unwind and go crazy. And and nobody in that building is going to judge you. Yeah, nobody's going to give a shit. Yep, they're going to nobody cares. Woo! Yep, <laughs> they're going to take their shirts off and wave them around their head too. Like it's great. Like you know what I mean. Uh, and those types of we need those types of environments so much. So here you call that the the upholstered toilet seat. It's fucking perfect. I love that. It's fantastic. Yeah, well, it's like I said. It's the best descriptor I've ever heard to describe that particular establishment. And it was great too, because after I started going there and I, after I got a job and stuff, it was close enough to my job. It was like perfect midpoint between my job and my house. So I wound up spending a lot more time there, (laughs) particularly as somebody who was relatively new to the area. I didn't know a lot of people. I was like, yeah, this is great. I will stop here. I will make friends with all these surly old bastards. Maybe one of them has a daughter my age. It'll be great. And it got to the point where, like, I started getting phone calls at the bar. (laughs) This was, you know, early 2000s. It's like, yeah, I had a cell phone, but I didn't turn that bitch on because it was like $2 a minute. So, so I, you know, I'd be like, call me back after nine. (laughs) Right. So. Today's kids don't know anything about that. Yeah. Spoiled little bastard. Bastard. But. Yeah, I, I actually got, I was sitting at the bar one day and I was nursing a pint of Guinness and, um, cause you know, it was still like three o'clock in the afternoon and I didn't feel right starting on whiskey until five. So <laughs> I want, I wanted to be, be able to make sure I got home for dinner without getting yelled at by my mother. <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, I was sitting there and all of a sudden the phone starts ringing and the bartender's big old walking slab of beef named Otto. He's like, yep, yep. Yeah, no, he's here. And he hands me the phone and I'm like, hello? (laughs) What the fuck's going on? I'm getting phone calls at the bar now? It's my boss. He's like, how did I know you'd be there? Because it's only 345. And he's (laughs) like, it's Tuesday. Yeah, but it's still only 345. He's like, how are you always at the bar? I'm like, eh, it's, it's a Wisconsin thing. I mean, that, that was like my my default for like the first three years where I lived here. Like, yeah, it's a Wisconsin thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have a couple pints and maybe grab a sandwich, and then I'm going to go home and have dinner with the family. It's expected. Yep. And he's like, oh, well, just stay there. I want to talk to you. Well, you're talking to me now. He's like, no, I'll be right there. Ten minutes later, my boss comes walking into the bar, sits down in a seat next to me. We start going over a bunch of stuff. Next thing you know, it's like 1130 and his fiance is walking into the bar. Like, how did I know you two assholes would be here? And I'm like, it's his fault. <laughs> and she's like, ironically, that's the exact same thing. He's going to say, as soon as I load him into the car is that it's your fault. I'm like, I was here minding my own business. I didn't drag him with. <laughs> Cause honestly, I was kind of scared of his wife or fiance at the time. I was like, well, I mean, like, meanwhile, your your poor mother's at home going, where the fuck is Aaron for dinner? You know, it's 11 o'clock at night. Yeah, No, I, <laughs> I, I didn't do that real often. 
I don't, I don't know what, it, and, and this place was great too. Like they had like wood paneling on all the walls, but for some odd reason, they also paneled the doors to the bathrooms. <laughs> so they blended in with the wall. And as the night progressed, you could tell people were getting more fucked up because they would walk into the wrong parts of the wall. And <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, 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 one of my coworkers went there with me one night and he, he thought he was a man because we happened to be standing right by where the ladies room was. And he didn't realize it because, like I said, he couldn't pick out the door. But, like, every girl in the bar came walking by, and he's talking to all of them, like, hey, how you doing? Yeah, hey, what, what's up? You came over, huh? This, yeah, no, this, this is my, you, you must know my buddy because this is my first time here. And, okay, hey, I'll talk to you later. And he did not realize they were all just going to the bathroom. <laughs> and <laughs> I, didn't have, I didn't have the heart to tell him. I'm like, eh, yeah, no, you're, you're, you're the man, bud. They, they never do that when it's just me. Nope, you got this. <laughs> keep going. Yep. Uh, keep, 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 keep trying. One of them might take the bait. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was funny, too, because that, that guy actually lived closer to the bar than I did, which I found completely ironic because he when the end of the night was rolling around and he obviously was not. I didn't realize before we went to the bar that he really wasn't much of a drinker. But I realized it before the night was over. I was like, bro, are you OK? And he's like. I don't know how you come to work every day. How do you function like this? I'm like, it's only like 8.30, bro. It's not even early. It's not even late yet. We've been here for five hours. <laughs> yeah. And? And? He's like, I got to go home. I can't, I, I, can't, I can't fuck with you no more. I'm not drinking with people from Wisconsin no more. I'm like, all right. You want to ride? Man, you ain't driving where do you live? I mean, how he's like, I live across the street. It's like, <laughs> Oh, okay. It still took him like 25 minutes to make it home. It, it was, I, he's like, I don't know if I'm gonna make it. He, he walked out the front door. He leaned on the stop sign for like five minutes, waited for the light to change, got across the street, sat down. <laughs> I was like, we just survived a, a traumatic crossing of a, a linear yeah, it, danger area. So yeah. it, it was, it was, it was pretty special. And it was funny too, because <laughs> the next day we're at work and this was, like I said, I was in my early twenties and I, I had a very significant nicotine addiction. And uh, so I was like, you know, I'm sitting in the back alley behind the building before work starts at like five 30 in the morning, having a cigarette waiting for the delivery truck to show up. And he comes in just looking like death warmed over. And I'm just like, hey, bud, how you doing? Fuck you, Aaron. Okay. I'll catch you later, man. <laughs> he, he goes into the house. Or he goes into the into the building and I put out my cigarette and I go in and I go punch in and I'm talking to our boss. And he walks by me. Fuck you, Aaron. I'm like, all right. Well, well, well you want a Gatorade? <laughs> And my, my boss just looks at me. He's like, what did you do to him? Like, he came out drinking with us last night. <laughs> he's like, he's, he's mad at me for his own bad decisions. I don't know. <laughs> well, why does he keep saying, fuck, what did you do? I'm like, I didn't do nothing. I let him have a few drinks. I didn't tell him he was hanging out next to the ladies room. And uh, then he staggered home. You let him walk. I'm like, he lives across the street. Oh, that shouldn't be that bad. I'm like, it took him a half hour to get home. And then my boss starts laughing. And 
He's like, yeah, well, I, I know what happens when people drink with you. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I got the uh, I got the title of uh, Grandpa Bad Influence from uh, Jamie. Do you? Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Jamie and Heath Britt. Uh, they have the E14 podcast. Okay, I am familiar with the podcast. I haven't really interacted with them directly too much, but oh, I, do, I am aware of it. <laughs> yeah, you should. They're they're fantastic folks. So I, I hosted them uh, on the show, and uh, and we did a, a whiskey tasting while we talked about Navy history. And uh, and Jamie was not ready. She was not. She was not. Ready. She didn't do liquor. He he's the champ. He was he was fine. But uh, apparently, we drank a lot, and uh, <laughs> and she had shit to do the next morning. So uh, she's been a little salty with me uh, since since then. <laughs> so well, you know, <laughs> yeah, she uh, drops the bad influence thing whenever she gets a chance. On me, so. yeah, well, I I had a uh, it was actually funny. I had the I had a gal I worked with at one of the uh, places I worked over the course of the years. Little little tiny little things. She's like maybe five three, five four constantly just thought she was this you know rottweiler of a human being just big old badass and going around i'm gonna drink everybody here under the table and blah 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 blah. and this was somebody who actually knew me like pretty much from the day i moved not her but one of our other coworkers was somebody that had known me pretty much from the day i moved to illinois and had been there for most of my glory days i guess you could call them the, the high shenanigans days before uh before the wife got me to settle down and she she was running her mouth and you know we had like an employee christmas party coming up and my buddy who was the guy who got me that job in the first place was just like you really need to stop with this i'm gonna drink every single person in the kitchen underneath the table tonight crap and she's like why you guys scared you scared a little girl's gonna beat you and he he says no but aaron might take that as a challenge and you will die <laughs> She's like, I'm not scared of him. And I'm like, going on and on and on. She was running around talking all this smack about, you know, like how none of the cooks could out drink her and all this other crap. She's like, you guys all think you're just hardcore partiers. I'll show you how hardcore we are. And then, and then finally, my my buddy was just like, Aaron, get her. I was like, well, I did get permission from my wife to get a hotel room tonight if I get too fucked up. So let's do this. <laughs> and, uh, so we sat down and the bartender uh, at the instruction of my buddy brought over two bottles of vodka and, and two shot glasses. And she's uh, the girl's looking and she's like, what the hell? And I'm like, this one's mine. That one's yours. Keep up. <laughs> and it just started throwing back shots. And, uh, and she was looking at me after about six and she was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I'm like, I thought you could drink anybody in the kitchen under the table. She's like, you just did like six shots in like two and a half minutes. It's like, yeah, that's how you drink people under the table. It, it, it's a sprint. Let's go. Come on, catch up. She just looked at me. She's like, you're something's wrong with you. No, no, this isn't fair. <laughs> and uh, then we had a good laugh about it. And I was like, okay, can I go back to enjoying myself now? Because realistically that I, I don't want to sit here and pound vodka all night i want to get the expensive whiskeys off the shelf yes I, I i want bourbons and scotches and i want them now and i want good stuff don't i don't want anything that says cutty sark or blended <laughs> and uh yeah then myself and a couple of the management tier type people's 
put a pretty healthy dent into the bourbon supply that night. You know, Good. It was a very nice, uh, honestly, I wish I could remember more of it a little more clearly to it. And we cracked into all the good stuff. We had Woodford's. Uh, there's some, I think, Angel's Envy. And, I mean, there, there were some some really fancy things that I don't remember what they were because it's like, you know, we've been drinking for five hours. Now you break out the good stuff. <laughs> and <laughs> Yeah. When you get the chance, like like high-end spirits, because they're, they're not available often, and uh, especially if somebody else is offering them. That's like a... Oh, yeah. That, that's a huge, like, yeah, no, I'll, I'll take it. I might feel bad because you're about to spend a whole lot of money, but uh, I'll get over that real quick. Uh, yes, I will take that that glass. Yeah. I was uh, I was just at the Brandy Library in New York City not too long ago, I think back in September. And, uh, and, and there is a big difference when somebody else is paying for it and when you're paying for it because I was paying for this trip around and uh, um, <laughs> I was not going to pass up because I wasn't going to be able to see these whiskeys again. Uh, so I, I, I took the hit and then I shared it with, friends but um but the experience of of you know having that like the once in a lifetime kind of deal you know what i mean like this shit's from 1922 i'm not going to get the chance to drink this yeah yeah Um, anything anything that's pre-prohibition if you see it you gotta have it (laughs) yeah and it's not good like i I, like it's it it, not that it's not let me take that back a little bit there's some people make really mad um it's very different than what we think of whiskey today it's it you know, because how things are processed and how things are made and, and aged and everything's different uh, than it was back then. And, and so you gotta, you gotta look at it. You can't judge it through the same lens that you judge whiskeys that you buy today off the shelf. You've got to, you've got to kind of pull yourself away from it and re-engage it as something unique and different and uh, pick apart the parts that are, are good. Uh, it was a little, little dry and a little hot for me, but, uh, but man, I, like I, you can't miss that chance. And, and yeah. it sucks. We, and I, I made sure that was one thing I made sure is I, I got that stuff up front and then the rest of the night we sipped fucking whatever. It didn't really matter. Um, but we got the, the good stuff came first and then, and then we, we settled into uh more economically sustainable uh, whiskey choices for the rest of the year. Yeah. Cause it's, I mean, you could definitely put a house payment down drinking if you're not careful. Oh, I, I think we did. <laughs> it was, it was gross. <laughs> But sort of, you know, you ever those nights where you get the check, you, you know it's it's gonna be intense. You just gotta brace yourself. You look at it, you're like, oh god, <laughs> like let's just get this done. Yeah, I've done that a, a couple of times. I, uh, now that's actually one one of the nice kind of fringe benefits just to being me is I've spent a lot of time in positions where it was like it was a work related expense. It was a score. It was it was a case of membering like i worked at a couple of private clubs as a chef where i'm like you know this is a member engagement event this is yeah we're going we're going out to a bunch of clubs in downtown chicago on a friday night but it's member engagement so this tab is getting submitted and expensed <laughs> and we would run up you know a couple grand and be like oops <laughs> oh well let's see what account number is this getting billed to not food we're gonna bill this one to member service hospitality yeah and uh yeah so i've actually i've I've been able to pull off some pretty ridiculous feats over the years nice um in the in the name of business and client engagement and customer satisfaction there's a lot of different you know buzzwords you can stick to it where it's like yeah no uh 
one company I worked for every year, they'd have a uh, year end management meeting where we would go out to lunch, you know, a, a luncheon meeting. And I don't think over the course of like four and a half years, I don't think we ever walked away from a lunch where the tab wasn't at least a thousand dollars. And, and there were only eight of us. <laughs> so, <laughs> but we would get four course lunches, drinks, aperitifs, dessert wines. <laughs> and it was just, and the check would show up and we'd be like, all right, who's got the company card? <laughs> yep. You know, one, two, three, not it here. And, uh, but you know, it was also budgeted for, so it's not like we were doing anything wrong. Tech, just like I said, fringe benefit. Yep. Yeah. We so we would do, uh, you know, end of like event dinners and stuff, uh, and we would do uh, card roulette. So basically, everybody takes their credit card and tosses it into a bucket and they <laughs> shake the bucket up, and then somebody pulls out. You know, whoever card gets pulled is who's paying for paying for the meal. And so that was always, that was always, I never got pulled. So I got super lucky <laughs> because some of those, damn it, who some put of those a blockbuster card in here, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. So there's a couple of times where those, those bills were, were insane. So I got, I got yeah, avoided that. It sounds like it. Cause I've done that a few times myself where it's like, come on, no whammies, no whammies. Yep. No whammies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm not getting divorced today. <laughs> Because uh, ironically enough, pretty much every time I was in a scenario like that was something where I was out on my own without appropriate spousal supervision. Yep. Um, <laughs> so, like, what do you what do you mean, you guys credit card rouletted for dinner tonight? Like, <laughs> well, you know, it it, wor- it wound up working out. <laughs> yeah. Well, what was the bill? It doesn't matter. We didn't pay it. Yeah, it wasn't my bill, so it's none <laughs> yeah, of my business. But yeah, and we would do it not even for like fancy going out sometimes me and a couple of my buddies just because we're dumb we'd like you know we'd go to hooters for like 12 hours and believe it or not you can run up a pretty hefty tab at 12 hours in hooters I, uh, you can run a hefty tab up at 12 hours anywhere um so yeah hooters that that would be that'd be a rough one because that's yeah, like well, i mean three rounds of wings easily you know every oh, yeah, four yeah, hours it, you're it was it was uh, two of my chef buddies and, and myself, and it was just we had this goofy tradition where on Good Friday we would go out for wings, and it was always just, yeah, we're going out for lunch. It'll be fine. And we found out that apparently Hooters has a policy when it comes to drinks after how many they will cut you off for. So we managed to get cut off three times in one session <laughs> because just through between ordering cocktails and beer, we would confuse people. And so we were ordering pitchers of beer and then different, you know, whiskeys or vodkas or whatever. And then we would order some wings or some shrimps, and then we would order some more beer. And then the waitress was like, look guys, I'm sorry to do this, but I got to cut you off. And we were like, okay. And then her shift ended. So we got a new waitress. And so we got another couple of rounds from her before she realized that she shouldn't have been serving us because the manager came over and cut us off. And then the manager shift ended. And so the new manager came in. And when the new manager came in, the waitress started serving us again because she knew we were going to tip the shit out of her. (laughs) And so the new manager came on and realized we were there when he got there and he cut us off a third time. (laughs) And, And I think the bill was 
five hundred bucks or something like that. I mean, for the three of us over the course of like a day. Yeah, that's so, that's not too bad. That's not terrible, but it was no. still like. It was that's at a Hooters. An, it's really hard to spend that much money at a Hooters. Yeah, yeah. It's still ouch, right? Definitely, yeah. definite pain, but uh, but nowhere near as bad as it could have been. Yeah, that could have been I mean, like a buck and a quarter a piece wasn't terrible. So. No, absolutely not. Not for that long, or a buck fifty, whatever, something like that. <laughs> I don't, and, I don't math uh, good. Yeah, it it was it was a uh, it was it was it was an adventure. It was, and the ironic thing is, people were talking about us for years after that like hey that's those are the guys that got cut off three times that's like, the, the the hooters marathon team over there yeah like what do they have our picture around here somewhere <laughs> do not serve these assholes more than two drinks a piece but they have a, they have a strict four-hour limit yeah it, it was uh it was interesting and uh yeah there was it, it, it was a very long night i uh then uh, shortly after that, my brother got roofied. That was fun. It was an interesting <laughs> night. Those, those are not like uh, adjectives I would put together with. Like, yeah, I got roofied. It was a great time. Like, no, oh, you no don't. I, I didn't. I didn't <laughs> or, get or, roofied. Or, yeah. Oh, my brother got roofied. It was a great time. No, well, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, be- before my wife and I got married, when we were just kind of palling around and hanging out and whatnot, and uh, my my brother and I were we all decided we were going to go out for drinks one night because my brother and I were broke and my, my now wife was like, well, come on guys, let's go out. And I'm like, we're like, we don't have any fucking money. We're not going out. Um, and cause, uh, my parents uh, wound up moving out of town, but we stayed. And so my brother and I were living together. My, uh, my brother, my God brother and I were all, the three of us got an apartment together and, uh, so we decided to go out one night and well, like I said, we're, you know, broke ass 20 something year olds. And my, my, uh, now wife was like, Oh no, don't worry about it. It'll be fine. We'll, we'll go out. It'll be fun. We'll see some people. It'll, it'll be a good time. And we're like, we have like $8 between the two of us. We're, it's, this is going to suck. We're going to get one pitcher of beer and it's going to, don't worry about it. And she was all dressed up and looking cute. So she, and she knew fucking everybody at the place we were going to. So Oh, hey, let us get you a drink. Let us get you. We we drank for free for about two and a half hours. And then some skeevy guy would not leave her alone. And he insisted on buying her a drink. And she did not accept drinks from people she didn't know. And he would not take no for an answer. So she was finally like, fine, I'll take a vodka and cranberry. And so she gets handed the drink. She walks over, puts it down in front of my brother. And he drank about half of it. And then he was face down on the table, like 20 minutes later, like literally drooling. And yeah, we'd been there for about an hour or so. So he was, we were not nearly drunk enough to be like blacked out face down on the table drunk. And we kind of picked him up and he was like, literally his eyes were rolled back his head. He was drooling on himself. And I looked up to the bar and the guy that had handed her the drink had already booked out the door when he saw she wasn't the one drinking. Oh, shit. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, I, I went to the bartender. I'm like, where's this fucking asshole that gave her that vodka grabber? And he's like, oh, yeah, I, I don't know. I've never seen that guy before. He took off already. And I'm like, well, and, and then they're like, dude, what's wrong with your brother? I'm like, uh, we think he roofied it. Because like, he thought she was drinking that drink, and instead she gave it to him. And he goes, yeah, I thought it was weird that she got a mixed drink because my wife is never a big mixed drink drinker. She always just drank beer. So, 
she's he's like yeah i really thought it was weird she ordered a vodka cranberry <laughs> and i'm like yeah well yeah you see where that went now and like we kind of poured the rest of the drink into a napkin and there was like a bunch of shit floating in the bottom of the glass oh i'm like bro you got roofied <laughs> and it kind yeah. of sucked because i had to like fireman carry him out to the car and thankfully this was before i got all like fat and out of shape so i i picked him up and you know walked him out to the car but completely ruined my night <laughs> i was like inconsiderate bastard getting roofied what's wrong with you how dare you <laughs> how dare you spoil my night I'm by getting my drugged. lady friend and you yeah. got drugged and you got drugged yeah. and it was the it was actually the funniest part of it was like the next morning because he had no idea how we got home he had no he his he's like last thing i remember we were sitting in the bar what the fuck happened how how drunk did i get and i'm like Bro, I don't know how to put this. You got roofied. Somebody gave you the day rape drug. And he was like, what? I'm like, but don't worry. He was very nice when he left. <laughs> He's like, fuck you. I'm like, <laughs> like what? You didn't want, he didn't want it to go to waste. <laughs> His borderline, you know, gentle. It was, you know. <laughs> he seemed very tender. He was, he was, he was, he was a handsome tender. fella. Yeah, it wasn't bad. It was. <laughs> he, he helped me carry you up the stairs, you know. He held your hair back. It was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's, Fuck you, bro. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. No, no, I'm not the one who got fucked there, buddy. Yeah. It's not funny. I'm like, it's a little funny. I didn't get roofied. You got roofied. I'm good yeah. to go. What's your problem? Like, oh, I, I thought it was hilarious. And I, it was, uh, it was rough. I mean, he was literally dead weight sack of bricks. Like get, getting him into the apartment sucked. <laughs> And then I, I was like so fed up and cranky by the time I got him to his bed. I just like kind of hung him over the edge so and put a garbage can under his head so he didn't Jimi Hendrix himself. Yeah. And I was just like, all right, if you're still alive in the morning, I'll make breakfast. And he said it was like literally the worst hangover he ever had. He felt like shit that. for like three days. I was like, yeah, that's, that's, that's rough, bro. I mean, at least you were with us, so you were safe. He's like, Man, if I wouldn't have been using your old lady to get free drinks, I would have been fine. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, see what she has to deal with when she goes out? He's like, yeah, that kind of sucks. And that's, I mean, it, I, thank God, like, he's good to go. You know what I mean? It wasn't it wasn't a terrible thing. But there's, there's a, a great example of the big differences, you know, between uh, you and I going to the bar and. And uh, you know, my wife going to the bar, for instance, you know, and that's where I, it's, it's bullshit. It sucks. I hate that that's a thing. And I hate that that's still a thing. You know, I, I feel as though we, as a society, we should be beyond that. And, yeah, um, and honestly, if up. you, yeah, well with, and honestly with like dating apps and all that shit right now, like dude, there's other ways to find uh sexual conquest. You know what I mean? Like it, yeah. that's, that's, you don't need to be nefarious. Like just, go there's somebody out there that will gladly freaking hop in the sack with you and y'all have a great time like you know you know that that aspect of that part of it and that it's so cringy to me uh and and it's it, fortunately and that being the the father of adult daughters that's one of the things i worry about because they go out and they have a good time and they party and it's like y'all need to fucking pay attention yep. pay the fuck attention you situational know? awareness it's yep. a good thing <laughs> yeah yeah don't let anybody give you a drink freaking get your own um, you know, uh, watch where it comes from and, and that kind of stuff. And it's just, it, it, it sucks that I, as a dad, I have to say those things. 
you know, I wish that wasn't the case. That's uh, that sucks. Yeah, that's one thing I'm actually very proud of my son. Where he's, I, he, I know he would not let that shit fly. And good, he's he's even told me a couple of his buddies that he stopped hanging out with. He's like, yeah, they're fucking skeevy. He says I don't want to have to beat the hell out of them, so I just stop hanging out with them. I'm like, well, that's one way to look at it. Or we could beat the hell out of them just to be on the safe side. <laughs> just for GP. Yeah, you know, I mean, if if they're really that bad, well, well, they're not that bad yet. I just don't want to be there if they decide to make that choice. Okay, I mean, I can I can see the logic behind to- cutting a toxic person out of your life. Makes sense. Or we could go beat their ass. <laughs> it's like, you're not beating their ass, Dad. <laughs> like, oh, come, come on. on. <laughs> and, I just want to hit them. Just, just just let me hit them just once. One time. Like, and it's kind of funny because I, for for my son's age, I'm actually on the younger side of the parent spectrum out of like most of his friends. Because uh, he just came along early in the equation. It happens. But uh, so a lot of his friends, like his parents, his friend's parents, like his friends were the youngest of like four kids or whatever. So his parents were all older when he was younger. And I was, you know, late 20s, early 30s. And like they would be sending their youngest kid over and they'd be like, you know, every time he comes back from your house, he's so well behaved for like a couple days. And, you know, I don't know what it is. And I'm like, it's real simple we expect respect when they're in our house and I've made it perfectly clear that I don't have a problem beating somebody else's kid. <laughs> and, <laughs> and they would always laugh and be like, Oh, that's hilarious. I'm like, I'm, I'm not kidding. <laughs> if your kid comes home with his ass whipped, it'll be for a good reason. I mean, I'm not going to abuse a kid. I'm not gonna like punch him in the face or anything, but you know, on the other yeah. hand, <laughs> if he gets too out of pocket. He's he's, he thinks I'll kick his ass and that's, that's all we need to worry about. That's it. That's it. Intimidation factor that that yeah. freaking wins the day. And and then a couple of his friends, one of his friends, mom in particular, actually like jumped in with both feet when I told her. I'm like, you know, I've never actually hit the kids, but they all think I will. And that works wonders. <laughs> and, it, and so she got to the point where I would like stop by the house to pick them up when they were coming over to play or whatever. And she'd be like, and don't forget, Alex's dad has permission to beat you. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, see, your mom said I can. That means you can't even go tell now. <laughs> I have backhand privileges. What's up? Oh uh, yeah. What did what did the four fingers say to the face? <laughs> like, yeah, your dad scares me, and and then my kid would just be like, <laughs> <laughs> and just e- evil little shit that he was. I mean, because I like I, I never beat my kid per se i mean he did catch a couple spankings but you know just just a couple he was he's a pretty good kid and i'm proud of how he turned out yeah i I never literally kicked his ass but he had no problem telling people oh yeah no my dad will kick my ass i'm I'm not no no (laughs) don't say that out loud yeah (laughs) oh no i i uh had a couple trips to the like principal's office or you know, yeah did you so uh you know we asked alex why he seems like he's been distracted lately and he told us you hit him with a bat last week. And I'm like, what? I what now? I'm like, have you taken a good look at me? I'm pretty sure if I hit him with a bat, there would be a mark. <laughs> I mean, if if we're going to go down this path and I have to, like, answer to the cops and everything, can you send him in here real quick so I can make sure he's not lying? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, do you have a bat I can borrow? We don't even have a bat. <laughs> I left at the batting cage one night when I was out drinking with my friends. I don't have a bat anymore. 
<laughs> he comes walking back in like he didn't really hit me. I'm like, yeah, okay, see what happens when you tell the principal that I'm beating you with a bat? I have to take time off of work to come explain to her that I'm not hitting you with a bat. And the principal's like, oh, yeah, I, 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 I kind of figured you weren't hitting him with a bat. He doesn't have a mark on him. Exactly. It's like, well, since you're here, would you be interested in coming in to do career day for the kids? Oh, fuck. I knew there was a reason. That was, that was the hook. <laughs> hey, we need to oh, talk yeah. about your son. Oh, but while you're here. Oh, yeah. yeah, And that, that happened twice. Uh, two, two different schools. Like, yeah, since you're here, would you mind talking to us about X, Y, and Z? Like, so there's not actually a problem with my kid? No. Man, fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Aaron, would you mind chaperoning this field trip next week? We don't have any male chaperones, and we've got a few students that are a handful. So I get the problem, kids, if I come chaperone this field trip that you made me take a day off of work to come find out that you need me to chaperone a field trip. Well, you're good with the kids. (laughs) And so next thing you know, I'm at the zoo with a bunch of behaviorally challenged children. I don't, I don't miss chaperoning. Like that was, uh, I, well, I, I take that back. Like I enjoy it every time. Um, I, and I would always end up getting yelled at by the teachers before the kids did, uh, because I would freaking, I'd get them like all ramped up and going, uh, and, and uh, my youngest Annie, she was the greatest. Cause she would always be like, you know, we'd get in and we'd sit down on the bus and get ready to roll. And she'd be like, dad, you don't get yelled at today. And I'm like, Oh, okay. I'll try real hard. And I would always get yelled at, you know? Um, yeah. we we'd go to like the kids museums and stuff and I would be the one like doing all the interactive exhibits and shit. And the rest of the shit, <laughs> brothers would say, they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, this is awesome. You know, <laughs> that yeah. was, yeah, that was, uh, that was always an adventure. I, I, I didn't mind that. I had a good time. Made all the, the kids freaking, at least my kids just kind of, so at one point in time I had, you know, if I caught them like standing off to the side, just shaking their head with their eyes closed. I'm like, yes. <laughs> like, I won. I I, I, yep. I I win parenting today. I successfully dadded today. Yeah, I uh, I, I did that a few times myself. <laughs> Although my favorite one was literally the trip to the zoo, where the teacher, as they were dispensing the groups, told me, "You're going to need to keep an eye on this kid because he's going to be a problem. He has a tendency to wander off. He's very, very hyperactive. Blah 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 blah." And I'm like, "All right." And like all the other chaperones, they, I don't know why they didn't have the same mentality I did where it's like, I came with a backpack. I had extra snacks in it. I had bottles of water. I had a first aid kit just on, just to be on the safe side. I mean, it it wasn't like a full on rucksack, but I was, I was prepared. (laughs) And like, I would take all the kids lunches and throw them in my backpack. So we didn't have to carry shit. It It made for a good day. This little ADHD kid that was supposedly such a problem for every chaperone he'd ever dealt with was attached to me like he was made out of Velcro <laughs> for, for the entire day. He did not leave my side. And as much as I talk, this kid did not shut up the entire trip. And well, he, Dude, he was, you had snacks. Well, it, I would have done the even, same thing. It, it wasn't <laughs> even that. I mean, I had snacks. I had waters. I had a few different sodas just in case. Um, I don't, I don't drink soda, but you know, sometimes kids do. And, uh, and then, but this, this kid was like, seriously, the entire trip, like basically trying to set me up with his mom. I'm like, <laughs> dude, I'm, I'm, I'm married to his mom. 
and I'm like, you know, the, the one kid in the whole field trip that I can't control. Yeah, that's uh, no, I, I, I'm sure your mom's a very nice lady and I'm sorry your dad's not around anymore. But um, yeah, no, I, re I really don't think we should hang out and I don't think it would be OK for me and your mom to be friends. <laughs> oh, I mean, uh, it was it was entertaining to say the very least. And he's talking to my kid, like, you ever think about having a brother? <laughs> like, oh, stop. Oh, it was brutal. <laughs> funny. It's brutal. so funny. So yeah. funny. Yeah. Kids, kids are great. Yeah. And then, and, then, well, the I, and then I told my wife about it and she's like, we are not having sister wives. <laughs> I go, you got jokes. <laughs> I can barely manage one. I can't, I can't fathom the multiples like, <laughs> like yeah and I, I don't i don't get that one i'm like i can barely handle your ass i don't need extra crazy in the house <laughs> yeah, i deal with multiple personalities i couldn't actually deal with multiple humans like, <laughs> Jesus. yeah no uh, no no uh wives are fantastic we should all have as many as we can handle <laughs> yeah <laughs> yep and i i got that I'm living the dream. <laughs> yep. <laughs> just a, uh, for just a second time, kind of close things up to everybody where to find you again. And uh, yeah, I guess we'll uh, wrap things up for today. You know, it's a fun little talk. We'll have to do it again sometime soon. I hope so. I absolutely hope so. Find me everywhere. Uh, I'm really active on Twitter. Uh, whiskey underscore Y is uh is my twitter handle um so if you, if you want to reach out to me that's probably the best place to do it i'm on instagram as well um uh why whiskey podcast you search that you'll find me uh, and uh and again i'm i'm on every podcast platform i think that's out there to be on so uh so you can find why whiskey again uh, every other week took a, a couple months off had uh had to get some uh some personal affairs in order with uh, the house and retirement so, uh, but now that, uh, all that's kind of settling into a manageable rhythm, I'm going to get back into a, a regular schedule. Of things. So look for me, uh, every other Friday, uh, 6am new episode drops where I, uh, I talk about history. I talk about whiskey. I talk about how the two interact. Uh, I have a few shows with, uh, with whiskey folks and, uh, and try to get uh, guests on to talk about uh, a, a myriad of topics. So check us out enjoy and uh if you got any questions or anything uh hit me up and uh, i'd be happy to talk all righty excellent and so thanks for listening everybody and that's what we had to say thanks for listening to another episode of i had to say it if you liked what you heard leave a review give us a follow give me some feedback and if you didn't like what you heard leave a review give me a follow give me some feedback i'll try and fix it Check us out on all the social media platforms that I had to say at podcast is the trigger for all that stuff for the search term. And if you want, check out the website, www.ihadtosayitpodcast.com. There's links to people that have been involved with the program, things I've talked about. There are some links available for some merch that we're working on, and there are ways to contact us there as well. And thanks for listening, and I look forward to talking to you again soon.